Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast. I am James Tiller. And alongside me today from the Everything F1 team, we do have Sophia. Hiya, Sophia. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? I'm very good. We haven't been on for a few weeks. You've been uh, busy with your parents. Yeah, graduation, birthdays, family flying over the pond to visit me in the UK. Brilliant. So you had a nice time? Oh, yeah, definitely. The two weeks was definitely not long enough, but it will last me till Christmas for sure. Good, good. It was nice to see your parents and some family time. We've also got Coops alongside us on the panel today. Hi, Coops. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm as good as when Sophia asked me about three seconds ago. What have you been up to for the last couple of weeks? We do this every pod. Everybody asks you how you're doing when <laughs> we've already known. So, and it feels rude not to. So. <laughs> Very British trait that we've, we've all got asking the question back. Scottish, Scottish. British. So. You're still part of Britain, mate. Right? Until you get that that referendum vote, you're still still part of Britain. Well, yeah, in, the, in theory only, in theory only. Anyway, on. that's a different what, that's a different podcast. What's your two weeks been like? <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Uh, okay, I ended up in hospital with a kidney stone, which was excruciatingly painful. Oh dear, never had one before. Don't want one again. No, no, no. that was that was nasty stuff. Tata to keeps his kidney stone then. Yeah, well, no, because I have it it's still there. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Well, let's hope you don't pass it during the show. <laughs> and uh, on the on the plus side, I got a week off work Woo-hoo. just back this last week, and trying to just get back into the swing of it. Went to the gym yesterday, and I'm suffering for it today. There's parts of the body that I didn't realise still had muscles, <laughs> which are sore. So, well, that's more energy that's been expelled than I have for the last however long, because I'm not really a gym goer. Anyway, we've digressed completely. You can probably see another face if you're watching live on the Facebook stream floating around. It's a face that you probably know from around the F1 paddock and F2 paddock, F3 paddocks, uh, IndyCar paddocks. Uh, You know, if you see coverage somewhere of motorsport, you've probably seen this face. It's Chris McCarthy. Hi, Chris. How are you? Yes, very good. Thank you. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me back again. Uh, It was great to come on. I think I was here probably for, I think it might have been the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, But yeah, it's great to be back again. It's been a it's been a brilliant season of F1, hasn't it? We're into the summer break now, of course. Um, But yeah, I guess I should finish by asking again. uh, How are you? I'm very good. I'm looking forward to speaking because I I only edited it last time, so I didn't actually get yes. to speak to you. So it's good to meet you face to face or Zoom face to Zoom face, and we can kind of have a, a chat about the season so far. So today uh, is a mid-season review from the Everything F1 team. So we're going to talk about basically what we've enjoyed of the season so far, um, what we haven't enjoyed. Maybe if you're a Ferrari fan, <laughs> what, what some ups, some highs, some lows. 
Uh, you name it. We're going to we're going to try and touch on all the key moments. But first, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok at the handle at join EF1. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. And of course, you're listening to this podcast right now. And we would love it if you were to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service. Hit the bell, hit the follow, whatever button it is, uh, just to make sure you get all of our podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. We would love a five-star review too. So if you could do that, we'll give you a name drop on one of our future podcasts. Lovely. Okay, so let's get into the mid-season review. We'll go to Chris first, because obviously he is our guest. What would you say about the season overall? Is it a great season? Is it kind of an okay season? Or is it a bit of a lacklustre kind of season? I think I think it's actually been a quite a good season, really. I mean, it had a lot, of, a lot to live up to, didn't it? Off it the did. back of last year. We came off the back of last year and a lot of people would have had, you know, very high expectations. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, fans who have, you know, people who have been fans of the sport for a long time probably would have uh, said, you know, that was a very, very good season. It's going to go down in history. Let's not expect too much. But I think as the season's gone on, it's just started to get a little bit better and better. Maybe not for the championship fight so much, but mm. that because of the, that's provided a lot of drama with what's gone on there. Not only that, but I think off the circuit, we've had some some of the biggest drama we've had in, in years, right? So yeah. uh, I'd say overall, we've had a great season. I mean, the, the British Grand Prix was a, a fantastic race, I think. You know, it didn't start so great, you know, a couple of big crashes, but thankfully mm-hmm. everyone was okay. Uh, but I think overall, there's there's been some some really good racing. So I think uh, as, a, as a fan, I, I'm pretty happy going into the summer break. Yep, it's been an exciting season. Obviously, we came into the season with a new set of regulations, kind of not knowing what was going to happen with those regulations, whether they were going to be brilliant or whether they were going to be kind of poor uh, and kind of over-promising and under-delivering. But actually, they've delivered some really close racing and we've seen lots of cars kind of following other cars for corner upon corner upon corner. Sophia, is that something that you were excited to see throughout this season so far? Definitely. I mean, before the start of the season, everyone was talking about DRS, how that's going to be playing to new regulations. So it's been interesting to say the least. Obviously, Chris has mentioned it a few times as well. But what's surprising was tracks that are primarily classified as like boring snooze fest were actually some of the most interesting ones. And mm. there was so many key kind of battles, not just against like one to two drivers. You're having sometimes four cars wide. You have a five car battle random sprint races in the middle of a Sunday race sometimes as well, uh, uh, which we'll probably discuss later. But it's been surprising given that there was so uncertainty with how the new regs were going to be. And I think I'm already looking forward to next season and how much a year on it's going to be the difference with people changing the new developments and research. But so far, this first half has been absolutely amazing. It has been really a really good season. Coops, how much has your kidney stone enjoyed the the season so far? Do you think it's had a good time? Well, sorry, let's 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 not talk about your kidney stone again. How have you found the season so far, Coops? You just couldn't resist that. <laughs> yes, I have found it good. I mean, I think I'm trying to remind myself. Last year, we were pretty spoiled with what we watched. Mm-hmm. You know, we had some decent things going on in the midfield, but that front fight, you know, up the front with Verstappen Hamilton. When you had an exciting French Grand Prix, <laughs> uh, an exciting Spanish Grand Prix, 
And mm. I mean, a pretty exciting, not just, oh, it was a decent thing, it was exciting. It shows you where we're at. But the fact that we had such an exciting pre-season with everyone's cars being different mm-hmm. and these new regulations and how nice the cars to look and then carrying that excitement over to say, right, okay, so that car's done this. The Aston Martin's tried that. The Ferraris have done this. You know, where's the side pods in the Mercedes? And seeing who's worked and who's not. And then, of course, to see the racing's actually it's worked, mm. more or less. A wee bit of tweaking with the, por- the porpoise in which I think uh, the FIA have announced that they've came to an agreement uh, over the last few days with some tweaks to the rules to combat that. Haven't had a chance to look at what they actually are, but I think they're going to the World Motorsport Council soon to be confirmed. So, yeah, it's been good to watch the race, and the race is closer. Unfortunately, we've not got a championship battle because it's pretty much done. Oh, don't say that. It's early days. We can still hope. We can still dream. (laughs) In in the 50-odd years of Formula One, there has never been an overturn of a deficit that big, regardless of the point system used. It's not going to happen. So I'm ever the optimist. That Red we, Bull, Could we, we've had DNFs from that Red Bull. So yes, but there's a point from being optimistic <laughs> to being stupid. <laughs> so let's not go that far. Okay. Yeah, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. Well, let's talk about the reliability then, because that's been something that's plagued pretty much every team apart from the Mercedes team. Actually, obviously, the opening race, Red Bull had a double DNF, but Ferrari have also had their own double DNFs. Uh, you know, you know, there's been really poor reliability. Uh, throughout the grid the whole season. Chris, did that surprise you? Obviously, new regulations do throw up these sorts of circumstances, but everyone's had a bit of an issue, engine-wise or regulation-wise. Yeah, I think there was there was lots of teething issues, wasn't there, for, for some of the teams. Some tackled it better than others, but, um, but ultimately, the, the, the teams that were hit the hardest if you like, towards the front were the ones that are, are now comfortably leading. So mm. uh, I, I guess they were they were trying something that others weren't prepared to try. Maybe, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that, you know, I'm not that mechanically minded, but I, I can only guess that might have been the case. They were mm. pushing the car a little bit harder. Um, however, Mercedes have been so consistent over the years. There's a reason they've won so many titles. Uh, and now they're actually, you know, Lewis has been the most con- consistent driver on the grid for the last five or six rounds, hasn't he? He's been the only driver, mm-hmm. I think, to be on the podium that many times. So that form's starting to come back. But um, but yeah, it, it did surprise me a little bit, I have to say. Uh, you know, we, we didn't know what to expect with all those new regulations. And uh, when we saw all those cars breaking down, it, it was a little bit of a worry, but... But, um, but yeah, thankfully, the, the teams towards the, the top seem to have sorted that out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, maybe reliability for uh, the Ferrari. I mean, the Ferrari was the most beautiful car, I've got to say. I, I'm not a, a Ferrari fanboy or anything, but that, to me, was, was the most beautiful car. And it came out, the you know, the, the blocks, as it were, as the fastest car at the start of the season. But Ferrari have gone and, you know, a term that we've used on this podcast a few times, ferrari did. <laughs> yeah, Mass- what can massively. We- what can we say about Ferrari and, and their strategy uh, and errors and uh, lack of judgment, I guess? Yeah, I mean, it's been there for everyone to see, hasn't it? You know, they've had races in their hands, which they've quite literally decided to just put on a plate and, and hand to Red Bull. I mean, the last one was by far the worst one, you know, putting on the hard tyre. I mean, everyone on the grid, I mean, it, even in the cool-down room, that, that said it all, didn't it, when Lewis sort of laughed to himself, you know, saying, did they actually just go and put on the, the hard tire? And and he rarely gets, you know, he we rarely see emotion from him like that or reaction from him like that, do we? Uh, and and that's the beauty of the cool down room, isn't it? Uh do love that that feature that that F1 have. Um 
but it, it was there for everyone to see. The guys in commentary called it straight away. I think everyone on Twitter exploded going, what on earth are they doing? It took Charles probably two laps before uh, he was having a go at the team. And then the team have come back and said that they don't need to change anything in terms of their strategy. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know, really. They, they should have really held their hands up there, but they don't seem to have done that, which really, really surprises me, to be honest, because, yeah, we had the mistake from the driver at Paul Ricard, but then we had the mistake from the team at Hungary, and it is just caused, as Coop said, that the biggest gap now that we've had in, in history. So um, between the driver and the team, they've possibly thrown the title away in, in two rounds. What, what was interesting, actually, just to chime in, uh, I was listening to the Checkered Flag podcast, the BBC one, and Jenny Gow grabbed a couple of fans, and even the fans went, it was weird that we saw Ferrari put on the hearts. So even the fans that don't have the data that the teams have went, what are they doing? Yeah. So how Ferrari can in any way justify that choice, like, Nobody could. I think everybody that even watched Formula One went when the hards went on went. What were they doing? They clearly um, weren't watching the Alpine, who were just falling back. Everybody felt when they put the hards on. It just mm. just was this really daft. I mean- yeah, if you're going to try it, don't do it on the car you're fighting for the title for, right? As well, like <laughs> at least try it on another car, mm. then see how that works, then put it on then put it on your teammate. Uh, I I just think it was incredibly silly. Or like you said, you know they've got all the data to look at another car that had put it on and that was tumbling down the order. Mm. Uh, and, and instead they, they they still decided to go ahead with it, which, yeah, w- which was absolutely bizarre. Um, it was there for everyone to see. Yeah, you didn't need to be an engineer to know that was completely the wrong call and it was only ever going to go one way. Yeah, so a season that started well for the Ferrari uh, and Charles Leclerc specifically, uh, Sophia, the Monegascas, it was in his hand. It was in the palm of his hands. He could have, he could potentially be leading the uh, championship, but his uh, mistakes, Ferrari's mistakes, have Ferrari forgotten how to win? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. It's been a while. Oh, his drop as well. I think he lost almost statistically probably about 71 worth of points in these last couple of races with DNFs, bad judgment calls and all that. Like that is like, he's pretty much thrown away the championship and also constructive championship as well. Cause that's still another battle. Obviously Matita, Matita saying that they're not caring about the drivers world championships. They're, they're focusing on the constructors. So they're pretty much throwing it away on both championships mm-hmm. as well. It's I, Oh, I don't know. It's so difficult as well, because it's also not just Ferrari as a team as well. That's been kind of, balling it you also have alpha as well with all their engine problems and power units as well which are ferrari backed Mm -hmm. and that's also hurting them as well like we've said multiple times on the podcast i know i have about joe guan yu like he's had the worst running his rookie season this first half due to the amount of engine problems and power problems he is having off the back of ferrari Mm -hmm. and yeah, Ferrari was going to be better, but I, I hope, because we also we said multiple times as well, second half of the season, normally Ferrari kind of get everything into gear, no pun intended, but hopefully they can get some points. But like Coop said as well about the championship, it's probably gone to max. Statistically, there's still a chance, but it all comes down to the amount of DNFs and fastest laps. It, it Fastest laps will probably determine... Um, the winner as well with the amount of points and the sprint races as well because all the new points come into play as well in Brazil. That's true, that's true. Anything to add about Ferrari, Coop? It's a good-looking car. 
<laughs> yeah. I think Silverstone was a was quite a highlight with Carlos winning as yes. well. I think that was def- that was definitely a highlight for them. something he needed as well because he was he, yeah. he'd had a, a pretty bad run of form in terms of few spins and offs and DNFs and mm. it just looked like he was have choking a bit. But uh, yeah. he, he pulled it back with that performance and, mm. and has been okay for the last few, barring a DNF again. But okay, well let's talk about Red Bull then because Red Bull obviously they are can super consistent. Max Verstappen is coming out this year like a driver that has won the world championship i know that sounds silly but he has uh obviously won the world championship and that that kind of puts that confidence in the driver doesn't it uh, and he I, th- I feel like he's he's grown up even more this year than he had last year and it, some of the close battles that he's had on the track he's been a bit more conservative uh, are we seeing a more conservative side of max do you agree with me there or or is he still as ruthless Chris, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, I, I think he's a driver that's out there to prove a point. Um, obviously, his um, first title was a little bit tainted with a massive controversy, probably one of the biggest there's been in mm-hmm. recent history. Uh, even he, if he was on the other side, you know, he'd be saying the exact same things. You know, it, it was one of those, it's not the way he would have wanted to win it. Uh, not, mm-hmm. Absolutely not. He wanted to win it in, in a head-to-head, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, so I think he really is out there just to, to kind of prove a point and win it and win it in style, you know, blitz the field completely. And that's exactly, that's exactly what he's doing so far. You know, he's super consistent. That's how he was when he was in the junior formula as well. He was always a incredibly consistent driver. I remember watching him and reporting on him in karting Mm. and he used to just, this is how he used to drive. He used to just go and beat everyone. There was a year, I think he won both uh, gearbox and non-gearbox and and that had never really been done for. So, um, yeah, I'm seeing the the kind of max that I'm used to seeing for for years, really, and uh, and and it's great to see. It's good. For, it's a good advert for the sport. It's a an inspiration for young drivers who are who are trying to come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, off the track, he yeah, I'd say yeah, he's he seems like a you know he's a fairly calm guy, isn't he? He loves his esports, and uh, when he's not racing, he he gets involved in the esports and really supports it, which is quite quite nice actually uh mm-hmm. for for a driver so high so he doesn't act like someone leading the, the formula one world championship and i mean that in the biggest compliment possible you know we don't see him rolling down all the red carpets if, if you know what i mean he's <laughs> he, he acts like he's still racing in formula three which which i think is is absolutely fantastic yeah good advocate for the sport yeah exactly max verstappen uh sophia you enjoying watching in this year yeah, definitely. Like Chris says, he's very much changed compared to last season. He's won eight races out of the thir- 13 that we have had. I had to double check my maths for yeah. a minute. But <laughs> like he has won. And then on top of that, he's had podiums within that. He's had fastest laps. It's a different like different change in mannerisms as well. Like even in interviews as well, pre-race, post-race, even when it's been a bad race as well, it's not as flustered and very hard-headed as he was compared to last season mind you as well there's not as close as a battle Mm. now with how much of a uh, gap he has like it's one of the largest gaps we see between drivers it's now i feel like he's kind of eased out the pressure so you can be less kind of dominant especially going into those like first 
uh, corners and overtaking that's maybe a bit too risky for some drivers. He'll probably stay back and kind of play the pitch strategy as well. His pitch strategies are probably been one of the better ones um, in the entire mm. paddock, I think. Red Bull's strategy is absolutely on point. And key thing as well, it's a female that's actually also kind of in charge of some of the strategy at Red Bull. And that's also a nice thing to see. But he's just doing so well this season. Um, and like with last season, obviously, was weird circumstances. But he did have a good running prior to Abu Dhabi as well. So it's just backing off of everything that he's done in the previous season, for sure. And his teammate, Sergio Perez Coops, at the start of the season, thought he was in with a chance of equal kind of treatment from his Red Bull team. Uh, that's slowly been eb- uh, away, hasn't it? Yeah, I think when he thought that, he was drinking too much Red Bull, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that, yeah, that was never going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's like Bottas at the start of the season. He's got to say the right thing. You know, have you got a chance, you know, when, when Mercedes were winning it every season for a few years there, you know, Bottas is like, yeah, yeah, I've got a chance. We all knew it was never going to happen. <laughs> you know, I'm sure Hamilton behind the camera was kind of like, yeah, okay, boy, anyway. But yeah, I mean, he, he, he does the job of a second driver, whether he wants to admit it or not, he does that job well. He won Monaco this year, which was a, a great race to win for, for him. His first Monaco win, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. He's the most winningest Mexican driver in history, because I think that's three years won now. And the other Mexican driver, which is uh, Rodriguez, can't remember the first name, it escapes me. He only ever won two, so he is the best Mexican driver in Formula 1. They don't have a big pedigree, but it's something. The best part of that whole weekend was seeing the state of him coming off that boat after he won it. That was brilliant. There was one, he was holding one shoe, the other shoe was in the water, and he was being carried down the stairs. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. It was so good. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he, he's doing what he needs to do. I think he had a wee bit of a struggle there, here or there, just trying to get used to the car. Off the top of my head, I don't remember him having as many struggles as, say, you know, Carlos Sainz had or, you know, you know, on the really lower end of the scale, uh, Daniel Ricciardo. Mm. He seems to have adapted well and he's doing what he needs to do. He's getting the points in for the team, uh, for the constructors to get it to be, you know, a double win because I don't think they won the constructors last year. As far as I remember, it was Mercedes, it was Mercedes that won Mercedes, it last yeah. year. So, so they're wanting both. They want the whole thing. And with the rumour of Porsche coming in as well, they want to take that big mantle. They want to be the big boys, which they are, but they, they don't have that, that, that one trophy that they want. So, Mm. Can't really fault him doing exactly what he needs to do. Yeah, absolutely. And as I say, they're, they're leading the Constructors' Championships uh, and the Drivers' Championships. So they're doing a, a pretty bloody good job. Let's move over to then to Mercedes, who obviously were coming into the Championship uh, as Constructors' winners last year. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get the Drivers' Championship. But they came into the season and their car was completely different to everyone else's it looked completely different they'd gone for this concept with you no know, side pods and we were all like hmm is this 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 looks quick it looks it's it's a completely new concept nobody's done it obviously mercedes have found this amazing feat of engineering and they're gonna scarper off into the distance uh, never to be seen for the whole of the season and how wrong we were because that mercedes mm. was terrible for the first few well i say terrible it was they still picked up as many points as they could and still reliable, but it was mm. porpoising like mad and they just could not compete for victories. Isn't that right, Chris? 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's something I certainly don't really miss. You know, it, it was bad, wasn't it? Sparks flying everywhere. Um, I particularly, I think it was Jeddah, wasn't it? That was mm. it. That was really bad, uh, especially being a night race. It just has exaggerated it even more for us all. Uh, and you felt sorry for the drivers. I mean, I don't know how on earth they could see where they were going half the time because I can't imagine sitting in the seat and dealing with that. That must have been that must have been awful. But Mercedes always do come with an interesting concept, don't they? I remember mm. the, the 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 moving steering wheel they had, and, and you know they they always come with something exciting. It didn't work this year. You know, it was a, a new set of regulations i think they got caught up in last year's race for the title perhaps and uh trying to win that and other mm -hmm. teams maybe got a head start on them uh, but they've clearly sorted out all the issues they had because um you know all the podiums lewis is picking up now five or five or six in a row i think it is uh they're, oh, yeah. they're definitely there taking it to, to the bigger teams there's still a little bit of a gap to close because, uh, you know, they're not quite on the top step just yet. But uh, I think by the end of the season, we're going to see some some good fights. And not just that, I think going into next season, we could see some some good fights again between Red Bull and Mercedes. So, uh, yeah, I think that the future is bright for them again. But it, it has just been weird getting your head around seeing uh, Lewis come in you know in fifth place and george russell he gets his big break at mercedes and uh fighting yeah. to get in the points you know it's bit, uh, that said he's been absolutely fantastic hasn't he polar hungary that was yeah. some lap that was absolutely fantastic and he was uh yeah he was showing lewis around i think his williams experience really really helped him actually because he's learned how to drive a car that really doesn't perform well and that helped him get used to the mercedes really quick but yeah that pole was it was absolutely incredible yeah, it was. And, and he outdrove his teammate for the first five races of the season. Yeah. You know, he had a brilliant start to the season, as good as that could, car could be at that mm. point. As you say, using that Williams skill that he's learned over the years to kind of fight maybe a poor mm. car um, yeah. to the best of its ability. Sophia, would you want to say anything about Mercedes? Yeah, so not including sprint races, Mercedes has had at least one drive on podium every single race besides four of them, which is a quite... <laughs> interesting mm -hmm. feat and obviously the last two races have been double podiums for mercedes as well but they've just done so well and i mean we mentioned as well george being quite consistent up until obviously the british grand prix but even after the british grand prix as well has still been quite consistent throughout the races and then lewis who announced that he did take a kind of more developed less developed car compared to george to gather the data to support the team as well mm -hmm. they their innovation is absolutely outstanding like even with the budget caps and uh the budget costs as well they're coming out with new things new designs like some of the designs that they've had on the front wing the rear wing obviously the side pods it's you don't see that for other teams or you see teams now trying to replicate that mm. um but it was a good thing for the porpoising to kind of fix that they still have occasionally some issues but it wasn't as bad as like saudi or miami as well with that long straight absolutely flying everywhere but it's it's been a good race season so far for Mercedes and they're still in content, I think, for the constructors, um, to say the least as well, with both of those drivers. If they continue this as well, they will be very close to Red Bull, if not might even beat Red Bull, uh, depending on how Red Bull performs as well. And how Ferrari perform as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. But because yeah. they could come out, you know, and, and do well. Mm, debatable. <laughs> Coops, it's, it's not been a best season for Mercedes in comparison to their previous eight years where they've, you know, flown away and, and kind of just taken every race 
quite easily. They have been consistently in the points and and, and just slowly kind of building that up for, you know, the, the strong a strong third place in the constructor so far. Yeah, I mean, they are never going to fall away to, you know, the middle of the midfield or the back of the grid. It was never going to be that big a drop. Uh, but to get to the point they're at, it's it's quite surprising. And, you know, it's it's one of those, it's, it, it kind of highlights the fine margins of Formula One. You try something that's innovative and maybe it gives you the numbers. And if it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, you're stupid. <laughs> and it's very much the fine line. It's that fine margin. And they, they went with something radical. They looked at it. They've obviously the numbers when they were bringing it up and coming up with the designs and making all that work. It looked, oh, yeah, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be great. And then, of course... People forgot about porpoising and the ground effect, which is not a new phenomenon. The last time we had ground effect cars back in the early eighties, late seventies, yeah. early eighties, it happened then. Mm-hmm. So it's it's known, uh, and then it quite quickly realised, you know, oh no, hold on, yeah, and, something they know, can't replicate in the in the wind tunnels. You can't because the, the, the thing about the wind tunnels, like we said before, is you can't get the car low enough. You get the car low enough, it flies off the belt on the wind tunnel, mm. so it. It doesn't it doesn't replicate until it hits the track, and then the biggest problem is that Mercedes have the the only car in the grid that has so much floor shown because it has no side pod, which is the problem with the vibrations and the porpoising and the bouncing. You know, with this stalling of the 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 wind and the air going underneath the car. So, you know, it's good to see that they've got the the they obviously knew what it was. They they knew as soon as they went out. I'm sure there was a few people going, oh, porpoising, damn it, <laughs> you know. Quick, mm. give me a rubber, you know, we'll delete that, right? Like, hold on, <laughs> you know. So, in, a, in the cost cap era, they, they couldn't develop themselves out of that hole. They had to do it in a way, that, well, they had to develop themselves out of it, but everything they had lined up has been scrapped and they couldn't just do it on top of what they were doing, which they probably would have done last year and the year before. And, you know, they had the, the big pot of money, they could have just went, you know what, keep that, we're going to have to add this in and just get all their people working overtime, which yeah. they can't do. So it's good to see they're back up there. The car doesn't look too bad. Like we all remember back, was it Baku, where Hamilton couldn't even get out the car? It was that bad. <laughs> yeah. It uh, wasn't even, and you couldn't help him because, you know, it's park Fermi rules. You know, you don't want to touch it. He probably could have got a bit of hit. You know, they could have went, look, he was done it. But, you know, you don't want to go down that route. So, yeah, it's good to see. It would be nice for them to be up there, a three way fight, or, well, a two way fight, because let's face it, Ferrari, when they're going to, you know, sustain it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not stick the boot in too much. <laughs> oh, they do, they, they've done that themselves. I mean, yeah. we have to, we can't not because, <laughs> like, really, come on. So it's good to see them up there. Next year, things will they'll understand it. They, they probably already understand that next year they shouldn't make the same mistake. This year's written off from Mercedes. Let's hope Hamilton gets his obligatory 1-1 of the season. Oh, if, if anyone can do it in that car, it, it's got to be that seven-time world champion. He's got a few other cars that, that have been a bit dodgy uh, to a win. Um, yeah, the, the 2009 McLaren was one of the worst he's driven and he still managed to win a race that way. And so. the 2013 Mercedes. Was well. that one of the first ones, was it? Yeah, that was that yeah, was before was the hybrid area. That was, you know, and he managed to win in that. So come on, if anyone can do it, it'll be him. Yeah, definitely. He will definitely get there. It's, it'll be a matter of time. But yeah, I'm sure next season they'll come out all guns blazing. The Mercedes engine isn't one or power unit isn't one that 
is known to blow up. So if they can get the aerodynamic and the philosophy right next year, I'm sure it'll be decent. So let's talk about Alpine mm. then, because they've had a, a pretty mixed bag of a season. They've had some really good races, and then they've had some kind of flat, fall-on-your-face kind of uh, races and, and performances. Uh, are you impressed with uh, Alonso and Esteban Ocon, Chris? Oh, particularly Alonso, I think he's been great, isn't he? It's just yeah. a shame he's. Uh, it's just a shame for them he's he's out the door <laughs> because uh, <laughs> you know uh, it, it did make me laugh. He, he just really didn't want to speak to to uh, Martin Brondo on the grid, did he? Um, <laughs> no, he didn't probably, on the last race. Yeah, probably because he was he was going the next day, so uh, it would have been his farewell. But um, but he's been particularly impressive. Uh, his you know his consistency is is. It's been superb. It's why he's a two-times world champion, um, and and I, I think he's going to be a massive, massive miss to that team. So yeah, um, it, it's a real shame for them because they they were making huge, you know, huge strides forward. I think that with him in the seat, and I think would have continued to do that going forwards. But um, but overall, I think they've had a uh, yeah a very satisfactory season. Absolutely. Um, Sophia, McLaren then. You, you digest Ooh. McLaren's season so far. Two drivers doing two completely different performance levels. Yeah, night and day, kind of that comparison. And then obviously they've had the drama outside of the racing, especially now in the silly season. Yeah. Uh, with today as well, I think I saw in the news, Daniel Ricciardo is asking for $21 million to get yeah. out of the contract because um, yeah. both McLaren and Alpine's contracts with Piastri are valid according to the FIA board. So it's it's interesting. I mean, you say as well, we're not so secret McLaren fans. We've said this all the time on podcasts, like how Daniel Ricciardo has been this season. We thought we had a glimpse of it in um, Australia and a few times with some good overtakes throughout the entire season so far, but it's just not there. And it, it it hasn't been like, even when he was at Renault as well, like in the second year, it just wasn't there. Like he, he keeps on claiming that he's getting used to the car, getting used to the car. And especially this season, given that everyone's getting used to the cars because of the new regulations mm. should have been a lot better. Like obviously with his track record compared to Lando as well with wins, how well Daniel did in, um, in Red Bull, he should have been doing a lot better this season than how Lando is because Lando's outperforming him. I think Lando holds 80% of the points yeah. for the constructors for McLaren. That's a big feat as well, yeah. coming from somebody that has a longer track record and more consistent in points compared to Lando. But Lando's been doing amazing. We, we say this every week as well. Like he's doing as best as he can. I think next year is going to be a lot better. And it's going to be interesting who his partner will be potentially if it is daniel or if it's oscar could be somebody else as well yeah well the trouble is he's losing the too many points for the team and, and losing too much money from the constructors winnings you know not only is he probably quite an expensive driver compared to oscar piastri to having a contract if he's not bringing in the points and and helping them within the constructors they're losing money that way so they're losing kind of twofold i can completely understand why McLaren would ne- would want to kind of get out of this contract. Um, it was still very surprising, though, given the whole drama that happened on the first day of the of the summer break for Alonso to uh, to kind of drop that bombshell that he was heading over to Aston Martin, which I was surprised by. Chris, had you heard whispers about this at all from behind the scenes, no. or were you just as surprised as everyone else? I was honestly just as surprised as, as everyone else. I did not expect... Fernando Alonso to be going to Aston Martin and when I saw it yeah it knocked me for six but I, I was surprised um, obviously they're trying to 
improve their team all the time. And mm -hmm. given what he's done at Alpine, it was a fantastic signing for them. So, um, so fair play to the the team behind the scenes at Aston Martin for getting that one across the line because it was a it was a hugely great signing. Is it is it a strange signing though in terms of for Alonso more than anyone because obviously Alpine were performing better than Aston. I mean, it's it's, it's no surprise. You know, Fernando's nearly towards the end, isn't he? So payday. I'm not going to say, but you know, <laughs> let, 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 you know, let, let's be honest. You know, if he's if that's a final contract he ever signs, I'd say it would be in a pretty healthy one for him to to end his uh, end his. Look, he's won his titles. He does. He's got nothing else to prove in the mm. sport. He's 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 enjoying it. You can tell he really enjoys it now, being around the paddock. Yeah. And he's he's going to be a great coach for Lance Stroll as well, uh, more than anything else. So. Um, it's fantastic for the team. I mean, con uh, something controversial. I really think Danny Rick should have stayed at Alpine. I, I, I think they were so backing him so much there. I think mm. he made a mistake moving away from McLaren, uh, moving away to McLaren rather. And yeah. I think it's come back to buy him. I think jumping around the paddock doesn't, you know, I don't think teams look look down on it so nicely. And I think if you get signed to another team, you're, you're probably just going to be on the move two years later. So I think they should have stayed. I'm only going off drive to survive here, by the way. I don't, I don't know the guys at Alpine, but I think they they seem like they really, really wanted to back him yeah. and take him with them back up towards the top. And uh, I think he, I think he should have stayed. If he goes back there now, then you know. There's, there is that possibility because obviously this mm. pi uh, Piastri situation is is still kind of up in the air. It looks like it's going to go through a lengthy court battle to kind of arrange who yeah. who he gets to drive for. I mean, it's it's not the only one they're in either. They've got the IndyCar one they're in as well. So it's oh yeah with, with Chip Alex Ganassi, with, with Chip Ganassi racing. So there's there's two on ongoing. Zach Brown's a very busy man. His legal <laughs> team are incredibly busy right now. So. Let's hope that doesn't come out of their budget. Eh? That, that, yeah. that, they must have a separate yeah. budget for legal costs. I, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was also uh, an article that apparently uh, Rosenquist hasn't actually been signed on from McLaren, although they announced it. Uh, There's something going on funny is, there. I, I, is he going to Formula E, did I hear? Well, uh, apparently McLaren announced in, I think, June that he's signed on to the McLaren group. But something's came out, I'm not sure if it's confirmed 100%, but something's come out to say he actually hasn't signed oh. a contract think, with McLaren. So it's, think, it's a strange one. I think altogether. he posted that he was driving IndyCar. Uh, he would drive McLaren IndyCar, but McLaren said that the, uh, he signed as a whole, but not yeah. saying if it was yeah. IndyCar Formula E. Because then like, there's two open seats in Formula E. Apparently there's an open seat in Extreme E. And then obviously the yeah. three, potentially up to three spots in IndyCar. I mean, yeah, their seats are full with Alex Pelot going to McLaren now. That, from what I hear anyway, because uh, Alex Rossi's going there, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. and, so, and I can't remember the other one. Pato. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. So that would mean all their seats are full. So I think Felix will actually be going to Formula E potentially. Or, or maybe Extreme, he might switch it up. But uh, It certainly would be a, a bit of a switch up for that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay, what other teams haven't we spoken about? Obviously, that's that whole contract thing is, is going to go on for a, a few weeks, and I'm sure we'll discuss it <laughs> yeah. over the next podcast and the next podcast after that and after that. Coops, we've talked we've talked about Alpine and McLaren. Who do you want to speak about other than those? I probably has to be honest. I mean, they've spent they spent a year designing the car, so you kind of had to hope that it didn't go from last to ninth. 
you know, they had the early season drama with Mazepin and the whole the Russian invasion in Ukraine, having to get rid of all the sponsorship, getting rid of Mazepin, dealing with all the money situation. And then, then surprised everyone we bring Magnussen back. Uh, but we're all bringing out, again, similar to the situation with, you know, Alonso and the Aston Martin seat. Like, who would we bring out? Oh, but this person, that person, Alonso, really? You know, mm. uh, and it's worked well. Uh, on the other side of the garage, I think Mick Schumacher's fighting for his career. Now that the Aston Martin seat is no longer there, he doesn't have the negotiation power because his contract ends this year. Mm. So from what I've gathered, the minute Alonso confirmed he was staying or going to the Aston Martin seat where Vettel had put forward Schumacher to fill his seat, mm. which was never going to happen, but, you know, he had to do it. And he's now not really got anywhere to go, really, uh, I mean, he's not going to go to a Red Bull seat. Let's kind of face it. I mean, what's his other option? Williams. Williams. There's a Williams open seat, isn't there? With the, with Latifi's contract running out. Uh, Alpha Romeo with Guan uh, Yuzhou, but then with the finance, uh, with the with the money that they've got coming in, and he's not underperformed. Joe, he's done well mm-hmm. considering that it's pretty fragile. So, I think Gunter, from what I've read, Gunter Steiner's suspended negotiations with him over his contract. So. Uh, I'll be surprised if he's in Haas next year. Chances who, are it's pro- who would replace him at Haas then? Daniel Ricciardo. You reckon? Where else is he going to go? That's a big shout. <laughs> oh. Ricciardo <laughs> wants to stay in Formula One. He will go to Haas if it means he stays in Formula One. Do you think? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, where I'm not where sure. else would he go? I mean, he's not going to go that to Alpine, Alpha. I, no, I think that Alpine seat, I, 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 I kind of agree I with what we said yeah. earlier. Maybe. Because mm. Alpine... Alpine are there now. No, nobody actually wants to go in their seat, so they're going to be like, "Well, we need somebody. Let's let's give Ricciardo another go." Yeah, maybe. I mean, he did. He, the problem is the upper brass at Alpine were anchored when he left them. Hmm. Uh, I mean, right. I know that Abitabul's not there anymore, but it's and, not and that. And they could it's potentially upper... get Gasly. Gasly could come across yeah. from the AlphaTauri seat for the to the French manufacturer. I think that That'd would be, be the best one. thing for Gasly. Mm-hmm. Gasly yeah, needs same. to get out of the Red Bull situation because he's not going anywhere. He has to break out from it. Mm. And we know he's a good driver. Get him in Alpine, get him next to Ocon, see where it goes from there. But he can't stay in Red Bull anymore. But yeah, you know, I, I, I think there's going to be some changes for Haas next year. And I think Mick Schumacher, as far as I understand that Mick Schumacher's not under the Ferrari Driver Academy anymore, Bonotto doesn't see the potential in him. So mm. to follow in his dad's footsteps, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. It's a shame. It's just not quite worked in. Maybe Haas was the wrong car to drive at the time that they drove, they drove it, but he's not shown anything this year. I mean, Magnussen's... He's got his first him. points. He's got his first points, and he then he got his, his second lot, lot of points that race afterwards. I mean, yeah, so he does. But then, he's but on then, this slow up. Maybe the pressure is... Well, but uh, he's, he's, got, he's got some points and a car that's very good, but then he's wrote a car off twice with his own mistakes. Hmm. And he's not consistent. He's not a couple of tenths behind Magnus, and he's a lot more than that. And he needs to be closer to Magnus. I don't see him being in the grid next year. If he's there, it's not a big deal for me. But I would be very surprised if he is, in honesty. But Haas did start the season well, as you say. Magnussen was brought in last minute, and actually he he had a really good uh, opening race. Was it fifth in the first race or fourth? It was, yeah, it was higher. Yeah. It, it, it was up there, yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, really good performance. And then we were like, wow, they've, they've built a decent Haas car. So, yeah, mm. I, I was impressed yeah. with how they started the season. Maybe mm. had a few lacklustre performances, obviously. But, you know, that, for, for Haas, it, it was pretty good. Um, how about Alpha Tauri for you, Chris? They've been pretty anonymous this season, really. 
Yeah, they've been surprisingly quiet, haven't they? I mean, mm. usually we see Gasly up there putting in, uh, particularly anyway, we, we see him putting in some really good performances for the team uh, and, and challenging for sometimes even the top five, top six, and it just hasn't really happened. The card looks an absolute handful, doesn't it? It mm-hmm. just does not want to go anywhere. And you do feel for the, you do feel for the guys, don't you? It, it just, yeah, it, it doesn't look great at all. No. So they're having a, a really tough season. And I think, yeah, their focus is going to be very quickly if it hasn't already turned, turning fully to next season now, because it's, um, it, it's been a really, really tough year for them. As I mentioned, anonymous. You don't really see them on the yeah, track. No, um, there hasn't been any standout performances. Really, uh, there haven't been any. There haven't been any massively disappointing. I mean, they've had a couple of DNFs, but there hasn't been any massively disappointing things. But you just just haven't seen them. I mean, I mean, Yuki's. I think he's been a bit quiet, isn't he? Usually, he's. he's yeah. he, even he usually provides uh, some entertainment. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. But even himself, he's he's just not had the chance to to be Yuki Snowda. <laughs> as much as we're used to seeing him be it so it's been a shame really yeah i think you hear gazi's name always in the first like corner because he's had contact with almost every single driver in the first lap and yeah. i think that's the only kind of time you hear his name and then yuki has some random spin outs or collisions on corners that probably should not have been used for overtaking with the midfield team mm. i just remember the gaffer tape or duct tape is i call it with yeah. his, his wing i alfatari is just like you don't even class him as part of red bull by mm. how they're performing at all this year this year specifically this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. definitely this year yeah. definitely this year last year was great for gasly yuki yeah. different story yeah, and we were expecting at least the same this year, but they've just not done that at all. Yeah. They've just been largely anonymous. And another team that hasn't done amazingly, um, but they've got a big, you know, a big name coming to them again next year, and they've lost their their four time world champion is the Aston Martin team. Um, Coops, come on, then let's. You're a, you're a bit of a, an Aston Martin fan, mm-hmm. not a fanboy, but just you know you, you appreciate them. I do. I do. But they, this this year they're not where they were planning on being. After all this kind of investment from Lawrence Stroll, that you'd expect them to be a lot higher than they are currently. Yeah, it's just one of those things they've came, they've went out like you know as we know we saw ten teams with ten different philosophies, and there's going to be teams that got it wrong and Aston got it wrong. And you can see that the fact that they came out a few races ago with a very similar kind of redown design to the Red Bull team. So they tried something. It hasn't worked. And I think Scabs, who's been on when we had him on for the preview, he did say that the one team that he had question marks around where Aston Martin, just for the philosophy they'd went with. Uh Scabs is brilliant. If anybody's watching this and the podcast, go follow him on uh, Twitter. Uh, Can really insightful things about the whole technical side of it. But yeah, it's it's a shame. Lance Stroll's just not really. He's he's had, he's had a weird season, even for his standards. Mm. Some bizarre moments. Australia, the contact with Latifi. Lance and Latifi don't need any any help to make their season any worse. <laughs> but they, they, they do do a good job of doing it. They're doing a good you know, job of representing Canada. That's for. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> oh joy. <laughs> you know that you know if they keep going on that way, they might they might actually mildly annoy the Canadians, which is a feat in itself. <laughs> yeah, and Vettel, you know, I think 
when he announced he was retiring, I think he kind of said that he'd been thinking about it for a while and it kind of shows that and he's driving and he's not really there for it anymore. It'll be amazing to see Alonso wring the neck of that Aston because he's going to get that car where it needs to get, where it mm. probably shouldn't be. He's going to fling that thing around and he's going to have fun doing it. You know, if this is his last paycheck, he's got a bit of money about it. He's going to have the respect of Aston Martin and the team and, you know, a lot of those guys will be looking forward to having him there and... He's done it everywhere he went. He's got the car somewhere where it shouldn't be in a, a race that had no right to be where it is. Mm. So he's going to find the potential in the car, whatever car they give him. So yeah, disappointing for him, but having Alonso there kind of secures Aston for a couple of years at least. Shows that they're kind of serious. Yeah, It'll be interesting where they go after that. There needs to be a bit of a step up next year. I think well, uh, uh, Lawrence Stroll might start getting a bit bored of the situation, but mm. you know. Someone like him bringing in that amount of money to, to, to that team, he's not a billionaire for for no reason, you know. So maybe he has to stay it for a longer term to get some of that money back. Maybe he has to write it off. I don't know. I'm not mm. a billionaire myself, but I'd imagine <laughs> he has when you start investing billions of pounds and building factories and hiring a shitload of people that you're gonna have to stay there. I said ship. <laughs> 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 so yeah it's disappointing car looks lovely with that you know the green always I've always got a wee soft spot for the British racing green yeah I do like it on the car so it looks nice when I first released the car it was a, a bit of a thick boy yes it was, it was very big yeah I went, on, I went on the keto diet halfway through the season yeah and it's completely changed now done, done a bit of the bums and tums you know just kind of <laughs> uh, tightened everything up at the back you know but it's still kind of languishing in the, mid, in the midfield yeah it looks good but it's a bit of a dog unfortunately yeah. and the drivers haven't helped so that's pretty much us in season and they needed Alonso next year they, they kind of needed him they couldn't have a polite driver so. <laughs> uh, and that leaves the, the only team to talk about Williams now uh, we'll go to Chris to kind of sum up their their season uh, at the back of the grid really Albon performing a lot better than Latifi which is a surprise given that Albon had been out of a Formula 1 car for a whole year and Latifi had been in the same team for the last three Yeah, it, it's kind of the death knell for Latifi I think this this season it's got to be in my, in my personal opinion what, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's uh, Alex Albon's a very talented driver and he's proving that now coming in. I think it shows just how good George Russell was as well, actually, seeing, um, you know, Alex Albon not quite able to match what George did. Mm-hmm. I think it just shows how impressive he was in that car and uh, you know, and he's proving that now in Mercedes with all the podiums he's got. Um, but um, back to Williams, yeah, you know, Latifi not able to keep up with, a driver who he should be helping along at least for the first half of, of the season. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'd say his time definitely there is, is coming to an end. And there is a queue of people. You've got the likes of Logan Sargent is waiting in F2 as well. And he's been incredibly unlucky, but really, really fast in that this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, his last two rounds just, just haven't gone his way, but it'd be great to get an American back in again um and he's just one of many uh who are queuing at the door currently to to take that seat so i think i think that's got to latifi really yeah we rumored oscar oscar piastri because obviously before all this kind of stuff was <laughs> right. happening we were like oh it's going to be oscar piastri in that seat but now we, we right. know it's going to be mclaren or alpine for, for sure next year um that, that yeah. kind of opened up to logan which, yeah. which makes sense really i think could be yeah. the freeze as well because obviously yeah. he did yes. a test yes. 
He's also a Mercedes driver, so he could is, be something yeah. with the engine supplier and, and whatnot. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, because McLaren have bought the Mercedes yeah. entry, so they're not using Mercedes power mm. uh, powertrains. It's Nissan they're going with, so he's not is, yeah. in Formula E. So. No, and it looks like he's done with it as well. Now, you know, even when you watch him, I don't know if you watch Formula E much, yeah, but yeah. I've, been, I've been following mm-hmm. it this season, but he looks done with it, doesn't he? Uh, he mm-hmm. looks ready to leave. So um, well, he's, he's won the championship, you know, and, yeah. you know, move on. Been there, done that. Yeah. No, I, want, I want the next thing. Can I want the it, next step I, up? I mean, I think he won Formula 2 at the wrong time. You know, I think timing is everything in F1. And yeah. he just, he got to the door at the wrong time and it was full and he had to go elsewhere. So I think he was really unlucky in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, but, He's going to get his chance now. And uh, yeah, it seems it's going to be either him or about five other drivers. But he's definitely <laughs> going to, he's definitely going to, as an XF2 champion, he's going to go, he's going to be towards the front of the queue. There's no doubt about it. Of course he is. Of course he is. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the teams we've touched about. I want to talk about everyone's favorite race. I have a feeling that it might be the same one, um, but I, 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 I've been wrong before. Mm. So I'll go to, I'll go to Sophia first. Can you pick your favorite race of the season? Oh, first one that comes to the top of my head is the British Grand Prix. Yeah, I, that's, that's, yeah that's one for one. Oh, <laughs> uh, Canada as well. That also kind of made it quite interesting. See, that Canada was a bit of a lackluster one for me for Canada because I usually really enjoy Canada races, but it kind of just didn't get the that last, far. The yeah. last 16 laps were what made it probably yeah. the best. I think yeah. it was a preview for how good the British Grand Prix was going to be. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, absolutely. The, the British Grand Prix was was my favourite race as well. So that's two for two. Chris? Uh, Miami. No, no, I'm checking. No, no. So it was British Grand Prix. It was British Grand Prix. Uh, absolutely. That was an, an amazing race. Um, you know, for, for it, it was a bit of a spectacle of a race, really, for all the stuff that happened off yeah. the circuit, on the circuit, the drama uh, at the first corner, uh, the drama in other parts of the circuit it was mm. yeah and and the overtakes as well um the crowd were absolutely amazing uh, the atmosphere looked incredible uh, it was it was absolutely yeah. brilliant i was there i was there yeah. i was and it, so, it just felt amazing um to, to so. be there and, and they're just yeah like you say it was just just a superb mm. race there wasn't a, a, a lull as it were as you sometimes no. get in these races where you can kind of you know maybe go and make a cup of tea or something like that in the middle no. obviously not if you're at the no. circuit yourself anyway but you know <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it, it seemed to be something going on at, at, at every corner yeah and yeah it was just just a superb race so i'm going to leave that to coops now uh, can you make it four for four was it was it the British Grand Prix your favourite race of the season so far? Or well, yeah, there was a number of reasons for that. You know, the whole weekend, first Grand Prix that I went to personally, meeting you for the first time ever, and that that's a joy for everybody. That's so. a joy. You know, <laughs> you know, you're a lot shorter in person. <laughs> I use the know. Zoom function very, very, very well. Yes. So you know, it was an event. It was the first time I went to Grand Prix. Didn't get to, I didn't stay for the race. We didn't get tickets for the race, but the Friday, Saturday, my son was there. It was his first race. Yes, okay. The downside, he bought a Verstappen t-shirt and a Verstappen <laughs> uh, hat, which was expensive. But yeah, I had everything. We had we had wet qualifying. Verstappen spun at the part we were standing at qualifying, right in front of Morgan. So that was funny to see him just like, oh. uh, and then of course the race. We can look back on it and be like, wow, that was some crash and. Now yeah. that we know we got out of it, uh, and you know it was just a great event, really. So yeah, it, it has to be that. I think the thing for this season that I've really not 
notice personally is just about every race, except with the exception of probably Miami, there was a lot of lulls. It, it, it starts off exciting. It seems to lull a wee bit and then build to something, and then it goes on and has something. The French Grand Prix was going to have a good ending, and then Leclerc binned it. Mm. Hungarian Grand Prix could have been the same if Ferrari knew what a strategy was. <laughs> so we, we, we had some that were almost good, but circumstances happened and there were some where you had a wee bit of a lull, but it was exciting because you knew what was coming. So I think that that's the thing. I think the disappointment for the rest of the season is the fact that we all know the championship is more or less done, regardless of how optimistic you are as a person. We know where the championship's going. I think it's now the midfield and whether Mercedes can catch Ferrari. Because if Mercedes beat Ferrari this season, Marin, the people at Maranello and the big people at Maranello need to make changes and they need to do it for next season. Probably need to do it now, to be honest. There's a weird culture going on at Ferrari that people are scared to do things. People are scared to make mistakes. And if they do make mistakes, you know, they don't want to just admit it was their fault. You know, be a strategist. Do the outlandish call. Don't do the stupid ones. Like, if we knew it was wrong, they should have known it was wrong. So something's not right, and it should be, because they came with a car that should win it, and it's not, and it's not going to. So, uh, but yeah. Okay, well, you've, you kind of digressed from, from the original point, but yeah. You're, yeah when, you're... When, do, when do I never digress? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's, when you go to Coops, you've got to expect kind of a, a yeah, few diversions. Yeah, yeah, you don't come to me for a conversation <laughs> unless you've got an exit strategy. It's just how it works. No, I just have to cut you off. I'll just, I, I, I've got the magic mute button, so I can do that. Um, anyway, well, that's good. We, we all agree that the British Grand Prix was great. Um, I'm happy with how the cars are performing this year. Uh, we've kind of gone over all the teams. I think that's pretty much it. That's a good uh, mid-season uh, review, actually. Um, what I do want to ask is, Chris, how's your season going? Uh, we've seen your name pop up mm. all over the place now. Uh, you, you're, mm. you're doing a lot of a lot more commentary, a lot more uh, stuff, basically, all over the place. And it's good to see you. You're doing well. Yeah, no, it, it it couldn't be going any better, really. It's been a bit of a, a bit of a dream come true, you know. When I when I started commentating, my my ultimate dream was to commentate on Formula Two and Formula Three, and yeah, very you know I've been very fortunate to be given that opportunity through Formula One this year. You know, it started with commentating on the Porsche Super Cup at Monaco, and then I got asked to do Formula Two at the British Grand Prix, which was amazing, as you you saw track side you know mm-hmm. the the sprint race was probably the race of the season and then um sunday was controversial but still a very good race uh two new winners as well and then i've been asked now to do i'm in the middle of doing three f3 rounds so i did the last round uh at hungary which was a great race it was a wet weekend which provided fantastic racing and yeah. then i'm going to be doing spa and sample as well wow. um, and, and yeah and it's been fantastic away from that i've done a bit with sky sports with indycar and uh, i've also uh this year i was asked to be the new sort of english voice of the 24-hour le mans which was a which was a huge privilege really um david waldron had been doing it since the 80s uh mm. he took over from bob constant and then uh, they asked me to to take his place uh, this year. So it, commentating over the PA to the uh, 244,000 fans that were there, along with a load of French people who I didn't understand a word they were saying. So, um, yeah, that was quite nerve wracking. But, yeah, uh, you know, it's been it's been an incredible year. And, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't have couldn't have really asked for anything better. 
way would you like to go next uh, that you haven't done? Obviously, Formula One maybe uh, <laughs> itself, but that's going to yeah. be t- tough to get rid of Crofty at this point, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I love the feeder series. That's you know that's my um, passion. It was what right. I when I raced as a kid in karting. That was what I wanted to race, and I used to I used to remember watching GP two watching listening to will buxton commentating on that Mm -hmm. that was the probably one some of the first things i watched back in 2006 2007 and i absolutely loved it um so yeah that that's my passion really it is the feeder series i think the racing is fantastic it travels around with the f1 those are your next oscar you know those are the oscar piastris coming through at the end of the day and they are the next uh people that are going to go and challenge for the world championship so to commentate on those guys in the same cars racing around on the f1 weekends uh on sky sports uh and f1 tv yeah that's that's something i'd really having had a taste of it this year i'd love to try and keep doing in the future if if possible definitely so um so yeah, maybe that, a permanent seat then i mean obviously alex does a brilliant job with it with f2 um, i've yeah. been filling in for harry on f3 but uh if, if that were to if the permanent seat were to ever come up that would definitely be something i would love to that I would love to do because yeah I, I having done a little bit of it I I wouldn't like to stop this year it is absolutely mm. fantastic so uh I hope uh, I hope to get more opportunities definitely absolutely brilliant um any other questions for Chris while we've got him uh Sophia or Coops you did karting masters this weekend past as well yeah. how was that because obviously yeah. that's like kind of karting and then you get into the formula kind of yeah, yeah. So I, I did something called the British Kart Grand Prix, which is like the biggest kart race of the year, where they fight for something called the GP plate, which if you win, it becomes you, you run the GP as your race number for the year. Um, and it was the first thing I ever commentated on back in 2014. And I got asked to go back last year to host the event. And I absolutely loved being back there again and seeing everyone around the paddock. And they asked me to go again this weekend. And it was brilliant. I mean, we had Anthony Hamilton uh, with me on the start finish line to open the event. Mm-hmm. I got to interview Ron Meadows, Derek Warwick, Ollie Rowland. Um, so, yeah, we had some fantastic guests over the weekend. Uh, and I nearly got run over, which was quite scary. But uh, other than that, it was <laughs> it was really good fun. And the racing was fantastic. We had one kid go for 35th to third and one went from 31st to take the win. So, uh, yeah, so it was pretty good racing. Wow. Good, good. Yeah. Coops, anything yeah. for Chris? Yeah, outside of Formula One, is there any series that you would love to commentate on? I know you do a lot of the feeder series, you do some of the mm. 24 hours, but mm. is there any others that you've looked at out with mm. what you've done it that you would think I'd like a wee shot of that? Mm. I mean, I do watch one of the other series I, I do watch is British Touring Cars. I think the, the racing in that is fantastic i got to commentate on it trackside once in 2020 at oh, croft yeah. but there was no one there because um there, there was no one allowed in um <laughs> so, so tra- trackside commentating for who exactly <laughs> yeah well, i don't know why they asked me to come actually looking back they just sort of said it would be weird not having anyone to listen to um, but it was absolutely bizarre there was no one there so i could have really said anything and <laughs> No one would have heard me. Um, but, but that that's something I find cool. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I like Formula E as well. I think I think the race in that is really good. I like the kind of chess play you get in it. So 
so yeah, I, I those are definitely two series I, I enjoy following. I go out my way to watch those this year. So yeah, to get a chance to to commentate on those would be would be really good fun. And what's your dream, the kind of dream team to work alongside uh, in the commentary box? <sighs> or or have you currently currently I mean, working with them? I, working with, I, be, I've I've been lucky to work with a, a lot of really good people. I have to say, so it's hard to pick one person. But it was really good fun working with Alex Brundle. I have to say that was really really good fun. Uh, he really knows really knows his stuff. Yeah. Um, he's a good laugh to work with as well when you're not in the commentary box and uh, you can throw a question at him and he'll have a very good answer for you straight away. Um, and we talked about, you know, our, our times when we both raced, you know, we, we sort of both raced in karting and stuff. Mm. So, so yeah, that was quite cool. Uh, and I, um, and we got a lot of sort of a really good feedback. Actually, people seem to like uh, us working together. So I, I think, yeah, he's someone I, I'm really looking forward to working with him again. Um, I think I'm doing the next run with Jordan King, who I raced against years oh, okay. ago, back in 2009. And he fired me off once. So um, <laughs> I might I might bring it up on li- in life <laughs> in a race <laughs> when he doesn't expect it. Um, yeah, catch so, you yeah. off guard. Yeah, but yeah, I, 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 Alex was, was really good to work with. Great, 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 great. Okay, well, it's been wonderful having you on. Um, and yeah, Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on to to discuss the mid-season uh, interval. Obviously, well, we're, we're a bit further than the mid-season uh, now with only, is it eight to go, nine to go? Nine to go. Nine to go. Nine. Uh, of, of the season. We'd love to have you on for a race review, maybe uh, towards the end of the season, if you'd come on. Absolutely, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for everyone listening today. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, I'll put my teeth back in. Thank you very much to my team, uh, Coops and Sophia, for, for helping us uh, review the mid-season two. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. We are the Everything F1 podcast. You can find us on all our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. And please hit the subscribe button on your podcast streaming service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Chris, would you like to advertise your socials while you are here? Uh, At Chris McCarthy 32 on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you go ahead and follow him and see what he's up to uh, over the rest of the season. Thank you very much. We'll speak to you next week where we have Harry Benjamin uh, for, we don't know what yet. We haven't organized it, but we, he's, he's on as a guest anyway. So uh, we'll, we'll have a chat with him next week and we look forward to seeing you all there. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.